0: And I remember just years going by thinking, oh, he'll change, he'll change, you know, he'll want to do it. And I remember just having a conversation with God, like, what's happening? Why is he not? I know this is a desire that you put in front of me. I know it. I There's nothing in my life I was more sure of. But as I learned, everything, like always, is God's timing. And I just kept praying and praying and praying and asked for God just to open his eyes of the need.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Bringing Kids Home, a TBHC foster care and adoption production. I'm Kristen, TBHC's outreach and communications admin. We are excited you are joining us today to hear stories of adoption and how any one of us, including you, can make a difference in a child's life. Today's podcast is sponsored by DanceWorks of Waxahachie. They are transforming lives by using the gift of dance to bring light to the world. Find out more about DanceWorks at danceworkswax.net. We are grateful to DanceWorks for supporting today's stories. Now stick around and hear how stories of faith and family help bring kids home.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Curry, president of TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. I'm so glad you're with us. My guest today is Jared and Holly Conaway. The Conaways both grew up in a small town on the east coast of Florida called MIMS, close to Titusville, home of the Kennedy Space Center. They have lived in Ennis, Texas for about five years. They have six children. That's right. Three are biological and three were adopted through TBHC in 2019. When describing their family, they said, we're loud and silly. Jesus is always at the center of our home. Jared is a sportsman and loves to pass on that passion with kids. As for Holly, if you don't watch out, she may spontaneously break into a dance number. Their story is about what each child in their home has taught them about themselves. When asked why share your story, they said if anyone can find a glimpse of I can do this from our story, then why not? Jared and Holly, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks Thanks for having
3: us.
2: us. Well, let me ask you first, Jared, uh, tell us a little bit about hunting fishing locations. I mean, what is one of your favorite places you've gone?
4: Um, well, having grown up in Florida, that's probably always going to be my favorite. That's you know, the beginnings of home. And, uh, so I, I really like going spring gobbler hunting. Um, I like listening to the turkeys and being able to talk to them and watching the excitement of the ones that you're with, you know, also hearing it. And, uh, as far as fishing goes, it would also be Florida, um, like going out in the boat off the beach um i like the ocean because you just never know what it is you're going to hook up with um because there's a variety um typically when you're in lakes and rivers you know you're after a specific species of fish but in the ocean it just you just never know what's going to get on your line well wow, they're funny. usually pretty big
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I like that a lot and thank you holly i mean come on, you got to tell us one of those times, how do your kids react to you spontaneously breaking into dance?
0: Well, with my family growing up, dancing was always a thing. We would have dance parties in the living room growing up, something that means a lot. So we've kind of carried that on with our kids. We have dance parties and things like that, but the older they've gotten into the teen years, they kind of, oh crap, is mom going to embarrass me when we go out to places (laughs) or whatever? So I think one of my favorite things to do was going through the school line and trying to make sure the music's up a little bit more so the friends can see them dance. And they're kind of at that stage where they're like, is mom cool or is she going to embarrass us? We don't know. And (laughs) I love it. It's so funny to watch their face as they get older, but the little ones still think mom's pretty awesome. So
2: (laughs) awesome. Well, of course they should. That's really great. Yes,
0: they should. (laughs) So you're
2: getting to pass down some pretty fun things, traditions it sounds like for sure.
0: Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. We love it.
2: Yeah. Well, um let's kind of get into it today. Uh tell us your bringing kids home story.
0: Okay. I guess that kind of started with you. with me. <laughs> um from the time I can remember being gosh, even before junior high, I think 5th, 6th grade. We would go on on mission trips a lot, Um, all in states, none of them were out, but um, there was a story when it really got caught my heart was we were in Nashville on a mission trip in one of the lower income neighborhoods. And we would go in and help clean and we would do a VBS for the kids. And a lot of these kids, you know, they were exposed a lot to it. And it was like the, some of the only freedom that they would get outside of You know, just kind of being stuck in that environment. And there was this one little boy. He was so little. He was only like three, four years old. And he wasn't a talker. He wouldn't really talk to anybody. And throughout that week, I'd go pick him up every single day. And he got to where he knew me and he'd light up when he'd see me coming, which just would melt my heart. Um, But the coolest thing about the process is watching God just kind of work through me to reach him even at such a young age it's amazing what these little kids will learn and through the end of that week he was talking which was something his parents said he'll never talk to you he'll not they even said sometimes he wasn't able to they weren't sure and by the end of the week he was talking and i cannot tell you what it did for my spirit and i remember the very last day that i knew we were going to be there i was just holding him and crying and just in tears of you know, even in our own backyard, what life looks like for so many people, you know, you don't, you don't have to go far at all. And I just remember at that exact moment, the Lord telling me that I would be a mother to children who were not biologically mine. And that kept going, kept doing mission trips. I knew it was something that was going to happen. There was actually one point before I even got married, there was another child along the way that I was like, I could totally do this on my own. (laughs) And I had considered it, but knew it wasn't the right timing. So fast forward, when I met Jared, um, we had always talked about it, but it wasn't something that like stood out to him at all. He couldn't really see it at that point. He only wanted one or two biological children. It was not in his radar at all. And I remember just years going by thinking, oh, he'll change, he'll change, you know, he'll want to do it. And it wasn't. And I remember just having a conversation with God, like what's happening? Why is he not? I know this is a desire that you put in front of me. I know it. I there's nothing in my life. I was more sure of, but as I learned everything, like always is God's timing. And I just kept praying and praying and praying and asked for God just to open his eyes of the need. And when we moved to Texas from Florida, things, I can't even explain to you how they fell in place. Like we got here, things were going good. And then I just mentioned it again and he was still kind of like, I'm not sure, but it piqued his interest a little bit more, which shocked me. So of course I jumped on that (laughs) and I just kind of looked up agencies and, you know, I wanted to see what was in the area just to kind of see if we could go to a meeting and we found TBH. It was one of the first ones that we found. And we went to the meeting and it was over from there. He was sold and God really... I mean, he still needed to work on him to go from three biological kids and we talked about adopting one and then all of a sudden two more came and just crazy how awesome God is through the process and his sovereignty and his faithfulness and that, because it was so hurtful for me. I just couldn't understand. And then God just, you know, made it happen. And he has his own story of how his heart changed through that process. So I'll let him tell you that.
4: Yeah. And, uh, you know, my imagination and my vision, I guess you would say of a family, you know, growing up. And, um, as we became married, you know, always the the 2.25 kids, you know, small, uh, our home with the white pig fence, you know, that, um, scenario
0: because that's what you had
4: yeah we small family yeah just a very small family very conservative not dancing in the living room quiet family and uh so complete opposite uh, end of the spectrum so and then as a man and husband you know you're called to be the leader and the provider and so you always it it always sounded good because you know that's what we're called to do You know, and james is to take care of the widows and orphans and it sounds good in theory and yeah you should support it and and then at some point the rubber meets the road and um, we ha- ended up having our three biological and we moved out here to Texas and we were at that point done having children um, medically and so at that point it was almost like well what's your now what's your excuse you know, before you, we weren't done having our own children and, you know, almost like God was working in you, in me. Um, you know, what, what's your excuse? Why why can't you do it now? You know, it's always been something that's on your wife's heart. And uh, you've always said that you were supportive of it. But again, at some point, rubber has to meet the road. And so we, I agreed to go to the meetings and um, look into it. And at first we were just, going to do the straight adoption route, um, because we always had the mindset of, well, you hear it all the time, especially when you get into the foster, I just don't have the, I couldn't do it, I couldn't take in a child, and then just give them back to the parent, I just, I couldn't do it, and I've come to, my response now is always, well, you're the perfect person, you know, you know, that's, that's what the child needs they don't need somebody that's willing to give them back you know they want something that's going to hold on to them and love them and you know cherish them yeah and then um, invest in them and you can't do that if you're half in half out so I always that's always my response and you know I'm sure I rub some people the wrong way when I say that but you know because they kind of look at me like uh okay they don't really ever have a you know, response back. So I don't know how they take it, but sometimes I can be a little blunt when it comes to that, but that was my,
0: but that's how God has changed us, you know, because we were those people, the, I think one of my go-to statements was like, I think I'd probably go to jail if they tried taking my baby from me or, you know, (laughs) like all those statements that everybody makes, like, how could you handle it? And all of a sudden, once you're in it, you figure it out. Like, it's just, there's no other option and you learn to love and you never let them go. I still have pictures on our fridge of our other foster kids and it's a really cool process.
4: That's the other aspect of the whole process is, you know, in order to advance God's kingdom too, you know, you're, you're praying for that parent, that mother that's in that situation that, did have their child removed for whatever reason and you're praying that they can find redemption and you know and part of our story and our foster process you know we did have that and we did pray for the mom and it, it did work out.
0: I think it's one of our favorite stories. It's the
4: story. Yeah
0: it's where God really changed us. Our our first placement was really difficult and hard on us but our second placement was where god really grabbed us and you know showed us what foster care really is and how ugly our hearts were with the process because i don't think it was until that placement that we really realized how broken we were and how selfish we were through the process because all we wanted was like or i know my thought process was for these kids to be taken away, what could their parents possibly do to earn that back? And these two little boys came to us and we knew it probably wasn't gonna be a permanent situation where they would stay. You know, We knew that they would go back. And I remember we had like this, um, I don't remember what it was called, but where everybody got on the phone and you would talk about the plan for the child or in this case, children, and mom was on the phone. And I remember hearing her say, thank you for taking care of my boys. And there was something about her saying thank you that just shook me. Like she knew the situation she was in. She knew that she had to find a path back to her boys. But through that process of her feeling broken and her children being taken, which I cannot imagine, she still found a way to say thank you for loving my boys. And cause I told her through that process that we were praying for her and she thanked me for that. And I just, at that moment, my heart just opened in a different way that before I could not see. And it was, we got to walk through a story of a mom busting tail to get her boys back, being thankful through the process, actually watching her change, And a success story of these boys going home where they belong. Do you know if it's safe and they're supposed to go back? It was such a beautiful process to watch them go home to mom and how we got to love on them through that process. Like that is definitely our story of when God really, really got a hold of us so we could see the bigger picture. It wasn't just about us and adoption. It was about these kids finding a path back home And how we're just meant to be a small part of that story for them. And it was just really, really cool. It's one of my favorite. I say it's my favorite story. It's because when God changed us, like truly changed us in the process.
2: So where transformation really happened on your perspective.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. And we needed that. We needed to be broken and shown where our hearts were not in the right place, in order to see a redemption story for these boys, like we had to be broken in order for the, you know, to see that process happen. And I'm so thankful for it. Because our I think our thoughts were just so selfish before and like one minded of, you know, our thoughts on the parents and how these kids got in these situation and what our role was versus what God's design was, you know, for these kids to go home and some of them them stay, some of them go, but we really got to see how that worked and it was awesome for us, really needed.
2: Well, let me ask you, Jared, about being that husband. What would you tell a wife that has a husband that is not interested in pursuing foster care or adoption, what would you tell her that she needs to do in this season of waiting for God to speak to
4: him? Well, I mean, that's that's a tough one um, <laughs> because every household's different and every heart's different. Um, I don't know the season that her husband's in. And I guess I would have to, to have a more accurate answer to know him a little bit more in his heart. But ultimately, you know, I've come to learn through this process and I've grown a lot through this process. Um, You know, it starts with prayer together. Um, The husband should be praying for his wife, you know, as much as possible hopefully every night and um, through that process she should pray for, you know, softening of his heart and you know, the wife's biblical role and I know I'll end up in this day and age in this climate I would probably offend a lot of people but no it is a supportive role and but as support you know she's giving wisdom and helping him make decisions so as long as she's continued to be supportive and can continue to to pray together and you know see the biblical side of it um, he probably will eventually come around um, because at some point you know God's really working in him. It's He's gonna have a, a heart change.
0: Do you think it helped with me bringing it up often just to kind of keep it fresh on your mind or would you say step back from that a little bit?
4: Um, in the beginning, um, stepping back was probably best. Um, I, that way I didn't come resentment and we were still growing our family and trying to add our own babies in the mix of having other children in the home I thought was a little overwhelming for me at that time and that walk that stage of my walk so but as I guess my story is is you know once we got to a point where we couldn't have children anymore there wasn't an excuse for me anymore to to push God's calling away so to speak so I had no choice but to to accept it and And embrace it I guess and through the process have grown tremendously
2: yeah I I really do appreciate that I mean because both of y'all are are really expressing it well that you had to wait on God his timing is what mattered and always does Um, but Holly you were you were gentle in your approach it seems like Um, very well maybe you had yeah there you go but um, And,
4: and before we were ever even married you know, it was, she made it known. So I always knew before we, I even committed to vows that eventually there was going to come a time that this this is going to be my life. And, you know, at that time, I, like I said before, I just, I wasn't ready, but as time went on and maturity kicked in and growth with the Lord, and it all came together. So I knew before we even got together, that it was going to be,
0: It's coming, buddy.
3: (laughs) Hi, I'm Laurie Henthorne, donor engagement manager at TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. Did you know that there are over 6,000 children waiting for adoption in Texas today? And did you know that there are only about 1,000 willing foster adoptive homes licensed and available to them? These children are coming from hard places and are needing a place to heal. We at TBHC strive to provide homes where they'll feel safe and loved and where they can begin their healing process. What if you could play a part in changing these statistics? TBHC depends on people like you to help change the course of these children's lives. You could open your heart and home to them, or you could come alongside them and help provide for the parents' training or for specialized therapy for a child through your financial support. We invite you to visit our website, tbhc.org, to find out more about us, hear inspiring stories and ways to pray for TBHC families, and to find out how you can be a part of bringing kids home.
4: So I knew before we even got together that it was going to be...
3: It's coming, buddy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, I, I just think that's important. That's, that's probably something... Someone's listening to thinking, I want to do this, but my spouse does not. And it doesn't really matter if it's the husband or the wife, but giving this to God is obviously the very first step and letting him deal with the heart of the other person. So, I mean, y'all's dynamic is a little unique because you had biological kids coming into the story. So I'd really appreciate y'all reflecting a little bit more on just that dynamic for us.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's something that we agreed on from the beginning. And actually, I think it was something that was told to us if we're being honest, is always make your biological kids have a say-so. Ultimately as adults, you can see things that they cannot. So I think you make that final decision of whether, not that their concerns are invalid or valid, Either way, but you can see things that they can't so you but you always need to take in what their emotions are telling them and how they feel, or do they feel invalid through the process? Or, so that was actually advice that was given to us, the and, best and advice. Prior
4: to this whole process, we've always had an open dialogue with our children. We've always made the time to speak to them on, a, on an individual level and also find their likings and to spend one on one time and then it's very difficult because you know you only have so much time in the day and with work and school and all life's things that get thrown at you, it's very difficult. But to find each one of their personality traits. Um so like our oldest Landon, you know, he just wants to be a man's man. He wants to do anything outdoors. So anything dad does. Trying to take even if it's just a five minutes uh chopping wood outside or something Uh, um, and then Lacey she's very much an artsy mind so she likes to write and draw so just taking that 10 minutes out of the day to sit at the table and write and draw with her and Layton she's more of a she's a mix of both really and uh, so she may want to do an art project one moment but be outside the next chopping wood with boys so um before all this ever even started, you know, we really had a good relationship with them and invested in each one of them individually prior to ever starting this. And we've continued to do that. And it just becomes, continues to be more difficult. I'm be honest, you know, with dividing it six ways, but it, it, God, God allows it. If you, if you're intentional with it, there's always going to be time for it. It's just like, doing devotionals, you know, within your Bible, it's hard to do sometimes with all that goes on, but if you're intentional, and even in between me and Holly, you know, being intentional and having date nights and everything, and I don't know if you're going to bring this up, but the importance of respite through foster care, um, so that you can have that intentionality with your spouse and So I think having that relationship with them before we ever even started this foster process and adoption process um, really, really helped.
0: We always want our kids to know that they can come talk to us about anything. You know, they may or may not like our response with it, but that's one thing that I'm, I feel like we've been successful with is our kids can, they talk to us about anything. Uncomfortable, like it doesn't matter what it is, they come to us and And that goes the same for Layla now. I mean, she instantly learned, okay, well, Lacey's going to mom about this. I'm going to go to mom, you know?
4: Well, it wasn't instant, but it it was like a six month to a year process. She worked up to
0: it even to come and tell me I miss my mom. Yeah. And And
4: we tell her that that's okay. Yes.
0: I, you know, I'll say, I don't blame you, honey. You know, like I, you know, totally different situation but like my parents lived in Florida like say I miss my mom too you know tell me about your mom tell me you know just always trying to keep it open and never make her feel guilty for missing what she came from you know and it's just worked out really well but kind of what Jared was saying with the one-on-one time another thing that advice you know that we were given that's worked out well is this one-on-one time that you spend with your kids does not need to be out, eating at a restaurant it does not need to be you know those things are nice but it doesn't have to be that you know we like Jared was saying the him and Landon the other night
3: but last night, last
0: night <laughs> we're chopping wood and that made Landon's day you know or group things that we're figuring out. Layla loves to fish loves to fish loves to be outdoors where my other girls really don't so you find things you can do in pairings. So like Landon and Layla will do this with Jared, you know, that's kind of how you spread out that, you know, six different occasions, maybe try to couple some of them up, which helps. But um, yeah, I think, I think people really need to keep what their kids think as important. It's super important. We, again, learned a lot about ourselves as parents and trusting our gut and really praying over we were making the right decision or not making the right decision and constantly keeping the kids informed. Okay. This is what's happening in their case. This, you know, we wanted them to know as much as possible to be prepared, just like we felt like we needed to be prepared of what maybe was coming next. So yeah, they've, they've really been a part of it since day one and I have done childcare for 15 years, well before foster care. So, we obviously totally different situation, but as in always having other kids around and kind of sharing the space of the home, that has always been introduced to them as well. So, I think that was a huge help actually in preparing them that this is mom's job. This is, you know, what things look like for our family. So, I think that kind of helped through the process too. <laughs> Always lots of kids in the Conaway house.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's really great. Helping people understand there are barriers that are difficult, but they're not barriers that make it impossible to go down and be obedient to God and adopt oh, yeah. or foster. So if a pastor's listening right now, And he's thinking, well, how can I support my families in my church that have adopted or fostered? What are two or three things that would really help that family and their church, you think?
0: Oh gosh, I would say first recognition that there are families that have foster kids in the church because I think one of the biggest problems in the church when it comes to this is nobody knows what to do or how to help we get all the time what can I do what can I do what can I do and I feel like if there was a recognition or almost a program or a group or something that said okay a foster family has come a new child what can we do to wrap around this family and love them right now so I think just acknowledgement that it's even a thing you know would be Number one. And then another, I would say, is just constant, maybe like prayer groups over the families, because I, that's one thing, another through the process that I can tell you when we're being prayed for, when we can feel full, you know, like spiritually full. And it's like you can feel that people are on your side praying for you. And again, I think that all starts from people just knowing what to do. And I think if the church had, if they could understand, okay, here is a list that the church can provide for you of dinners, you know, come fold laundry once a week, get certified in respite. Lord, that is so needed. It's not even fun. I think if there's one thing in foster care that's missing more than anything, it's like the willingness of people to sign up for respite. It is so important so important for families that are going through that process and that number one source could come from the church you know there are people you love that you trust and that you do life with and they see you and they get to know the kids and the kids get to know them at church so there's a comfort comfortability there you know that the kids already know them so I mean I have a list <laughs> but those are the two biggest ones that I think that you yeah, know
4: that's the the biggest is probably recognition of the foster care program and like if they're surrounding and local to tbh just recognition of tbh and how to take the steps because i think that was the hardest part was is how much we had to we had to seek it out for us you know when we decided to, to do this we had to seek out all the information and i think you know, if I was a pastor listening, and I was running a church, that just having a program within the church—know
0: your to, to, area—to
4: provide information to uh, to the congregation that this is this is the avenue to take, or this is how you do this. I think it's
0: and maybe having guest speakers come that can explain the process so yeah. much better than the families could. You know, because I feel like as families we can explain the emotional side to it and what our hearts think and, you know, like all these different things, but a trained professional who could come in once a year, you know, and do like a seminar of this is what foster care looks like. Explain to the church that there's help, you know, there's all these different avenues to help because even our people in our church, we get questions all the time, but like, well, what do I do if I work? You know, like, do I pay for daycare? Do There's so many questions that people want to know but they don't know. Yeah. So like Jared was saying is like, know your community, know your agency. So if somebody says, I'm kind of interested in this, you have information, sure do. Here's a pamphlet, you know, I think just knowledge of knowing that this is happening and there's, you know, families in our church and what you could do to help them and support them and I think that's so important and just not happening as much as it should in our church, which is where the number one place it should be happening, you know, so.
4: But in recent, you know, they've really been more open to it, very supportive and uh, getting that knowledge out there. And we're really, we are really thankful for our kids program within our church and how much they invest in, in our children. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, That's awesome. Well, if you'd like to have Texas Baptist Home for Children come and visit your church, <laughs> you can yes. definitely contact us. Yes. We would love that. That's great. When you talk about the impression you had of this process, how would you describe this to someone who's considering, should I go through an agency to adopt or foster? What would y'all tell them?
0: Absolutely. You need the support. You need people who know what they're doing in your corner like
4: they're a resource yes and they have resources that you may be put in a situation and like our first placement was very difficult they were special there's some special needs that we were not equipped to handle and they were able to really provide guide us us help us give us answers that we were just at a loss for
0: and they, and you learn that throughout the process too. um, what TBH, one thing that we learned is when you go in, it's almost like you're not a hundred percent sure what your family can handle. You think you do until you're faced with it and God is bigger than all of it. I'll say that. I don't think there's anything, you know, you can do anything through him, but there's also a lot of dynamics when you have biological kids involved, you know? All of a sudden, is there danger in your home? Is there all these different avenues you don't know? And I know when we went through our first placement, I was a mess. I couldn't think straight. I didn't know what to do. I felt helpless because I didn't know how to help these kids. You know, it's like every family has a limit of what they can take. And I felt so supported when I said, I don't think we can do this. And one, they encouraged me right off the bat. You can, you can, you can But when they saw that it was truly a situation that was not healthy for our family, the absolute love and support that we got meant everything to me. I did not feel belittled. I did not feel incapable.
4: It's you nat- know? Naturally, you feel like a failure. Yeah, okay. you
0: feel all those things. And I never got that from you guys, not one time. And, um, I was in the hospital one night with our first placement with, um, one of the little girls. And I think they were here for three days and we already ended up in the hospital. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, (laughs) I've got three kids at home, a husband who works most of the time. I didn't know how to get home to my, just so many things happening and immediately our amazing worker who I love came and relieved me for the night, just to let me breathe. And this again is why respite's so important. You need help. You need support. And I, another thing that I love about TBH for us is we are Christians and I needed somebody who would understand my heart, but my heart that was leading to God. I needed somebody to understand that we were praying and we were, you know, through that process, God is our faith base for everything and hundred percent got that support and it has meant everything to us. So definitely if you're looking for a Christian agency, it's like, it has meant the world to me, you know? Um, but so first impression was thank God for you guys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on so many occasions and just, truly even little things along the way that I wasn't sure of like, Hey, can we do this or whatever? Always got immediate answers. I was never left hanging of, you know, am I allowed to do this? Not allowed to do this and you know, whatever through that process. So that was a huge relief. I never felt helpless. Like I always felt like I had somebody that I could ask or go to or turn to or whatever for the information that I needed. So that was, wonderful.
2: That's really great. Thank you. Let me kind of wrap up at the end. I love asking, is there something I haven't asked you to share a story that you haven't got to share that you want to make sure you get to today?
0: I guess I'm talking to the mamas out there. I'll let Jared speak for dads, but for me, it would be give yourself grace because Even as a mom to our biological kids, we're constantly thrown what I feel like in the deep end of learning new things every day. Something's thrown at you every day. And these are these babies that you grew in your belly and you raised, and they're part of you. They have your genetics, all these different things. You go through that with your biological kids. Then you throw these kids into the mix, infant or now we've had a 10 year old, you know, give yourself grace and breathe. Do not be ashamed to ask for help. That was something at the beginning. I was a little nervous to do kind of like you asked for this, you know, like figure it out. You can handle no disagree with that. A hundred percent. God gave us a community for a reason. Do not be ashamed to say I need help or this is not working for my family. There's always, your no could be somebody else's yes. And that's something, again, another piece of advice that has stuck with my heart so much of, you get these phone calls, right? And you're like, there's just something in you that's like, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. Well, that may be somebody else's yes. And somebody else's no just became my yes. You know, I think about Lawson and if they called somebody else and said, And they're like, no, we could not handle a drug baby. That's not the, you know, right thing for us. He ended up being our best yes, you know? So just trust yourself, really ask, don't ever feel bad. Maybe I hope this is not what you don't want me to say, but don't feel bad for saying no. If your family is not prepared, if your family is not ready, if you are going through a tragedy, if you've got something in your life where it feels like a no, Trust that that is somebody else's yes. And somebody else's no could be your perfect yes. So just breathe and trust that God is going to give you exactly what you're supposed to have. And trust that he won't give you what you're not supposed to have. So you can do it. It's hard. I never truly imagined I'd be a mom of six and mom of basically two twin little boys (laughs) and life is crazy, but I would not trade one of them for anything. And fostering can be hard. Adopting can be hard, but so can being a mom to your own biological kids. So just again, give yourself grace and trust, trust the spirit inside of you saying yes or no, or, you know, whatever. Talk to your husband. (laughs) see what you definitely communicate with your spouse do not jump on anything without talking to your spouse and yeah that'd be my big thing
4: yeah I guess if we're giving advice um, I guess as a husband um, we are obviously by this podcast you know we we talk a lot less than women do so talk a little bit more, uh, <laughs> you No, know, it's just natural. it's like God made us, and, you know, be aware of that, so take the time, and talk to your spouse, talk to the, your children, um, it's so easy to, to have your phone in your hand, and looking at a screen, and, and it's so easy to, to follow the world, and, you know, at a man, have a man cave, it. who are you impacting, when you're in a man cave, you know, you're not impacting anybody but yourself and selfish desires. And so just take the time to, to invest in each one in your, under your household individually. And so that would be kind of my, my advice or encouragement. And it's, it's not easy and you're going to have questions, but there's always somebody with an answer and a lot of times your spouse has the answer. Um, trust in them and seek them for support. And then if you are working with an agency, you know, hopefully they're a good Christian agency like TBH and they'll also be your support if you have any questions and you're not, you're not alone when you're doing it and it is okay to say no, but um, there'll be plenty of time to say yes as well. That's really great.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you for having us. It was awesome. I love telling our story.
1: Thank you for joining us. If you would like to get in touch with today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can contact us through our email, podcast at tbhc.org. That's podcast at tbhc.org. Leave us a comment, recommend a guest to our show, and give us a five-star review wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information, check out our website, tbhc.org, and discover how you can participate in bringing kids home.